0: the Sober Experiment podcast by Be Sober with Alex and Lisa.
1: Season three is sponsored by IPHM, an accreditation board for holistic therapists and training providers around the world. I'm Alex, one half of the Sober Experiment. And I'm Lisa, the other half. Hi.
0: (laughs) Hi. Oh, right. We've got one minute. We forgot to do the intro and our guest is in the waiting room. She is. I'm dead excited. So we've got somebody quite special today i'm excited about this i'm always excited aren't i but kelly Pegg from the hot mess mums podcast here she is i'm gonna let her in live now if you can see us you'll know she's coming dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it's not exactly the technical setup that she has is it oh no not at all hello <laughs> hi, hi. We were just saying, Kelly. It's not the um, technical setup that you have. This is my bed, one microphone. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, that's okay There is It's fun, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? We, I mean, we couldn't survive without our producer, Callum, because we don't know anything technical. So without him, we'd be stuffed. We, we don't know anything technical <laughs> either. So we are stuffed. I just
1: had to bend the screen to get Alex's awful picture out of the
0: background. Oh. I'm actually and offended about and I never usually am because I've got this picture which I really love that says... I thought she just had it there for having it there. I didn't know she actually liked it. It's awful. I actually really like it. She just insulted it. It's on the back of all our videos. So now everybody who watches our podcast
2: knows that she hates my picture. <laughs> oh, no. There's so much pressure with Zoom as well to have a background, isn't there? You know, people are like talking to you but they're looking at what's behind you in your room and everything. I'm in the kitchen you can't really sit my house as a tip today so
1: yeah but Kelly I've seen your house on Instagram I want a full tour it looks absolutely stunning oh we're, we're getting there we're,
0: we're getting there slowly with it all <laughs> So, I just wanted to sort of introduce, because we've completely forgot to do our intro, so you straight, you are straight in, you're like the first voice on the podcast pretty much. <laughs> so, just a little bit of background, we met through um, Kerry Walker and NACOA, didn't we originally, on COA Week?
2: Yes, yeah, we did. We were introduced by them and we were on a sort of panel together.
0: Oh, which was amazing. And yeah. like afterwards, I went away and you're kind of, the empathy that you have and the compassion that you have are and I'm, I'm saying had but only because it was there but you have it really i really really warm to it like you were so emotional and so in touch with it and I've always struggled with that I'm not very good with getting emotional in my even my own story anymore I used to be it used to be a, a real crier didn't I I don't know whether I've healed or just blanked I'm not sure <laughs> which but I kind of don't get very emotional anymore so it was really lovely to sort of see how close it is to your heart and how much you're still so compassionate about it. That's what warmed me to you originally.
2: Oh, that's so lovely. Well, I thought you were amazing on that panel. You spoke so well. And that's something I probably don't do so much because I do get emotional. You know, I remember watching you talk that night and thinking, wow, because you could just explain things so well, you know? So we were all sitting there going, yeah, we get that, yeah. We know what you mean it was the way you explain yeah it was the way you sort of very much so which is a real gift in itself as well so um but yeah i mean i've only just started talking about it really like this in the last year since meeting nicoa being introduced to them and then meeting Josh Connolly who obviously does a lot with Nakoa, and doing some bits with him and uh, that's really it, it's its just sort of gone from there I, I hadn't spoken about it a lot before then I'd written about it and had some bits published and I'd... Um uh, I spoke about it once on the radio, but, oh, s- excuse me, the phone's going. I'll kill my husband if it's him, because I've told him not to ring me two seconds. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's good, it's good. I'll just
0: buzz it off. It's funny, at least she's not having a lunch. <laughs> well, that
2: is true. <laughs> it's funny because I was listening to one of it is, I've turned him off. It is him. And I just literally messaged him one minute before we all connected to say, I'm going on my podcast, the podcast now that I'm doing. So I'll talk to you later. What part of that means ring me? Oh, they, they just they don't not get it. Do no. they? Yeah, they're not. I'm the so sorry. Don't worry about it, honestly. We, we once
0: had somebody on our podcast who halfway through, and we're not great at editing like we were just talking about about we can edit and we do edit if we really have to like what well, usually when i say something stupid um we because i've said all sorts of things and then thought that can't stay in um but yeah we well, usually when i've said something we've edited it out but anyway yeah this uh, one guest decided to just say can you just hold on and spend 20 minutes having a lunch yeah i'm just <laughs> gonna go and get my dinner honest to god my <laughs> gosh <laughs> we sat there like
1: it was quite early on as well into the pub, We didn't know yeah. how to deal with it, did we? We, we didn't know boundaries
2: then, did we? <laughs> <laughs> that's like such a big word now, isn't it? Boundaries. Yeah. It's, that's so bad though. Oh, my. I'm trying to think. No, I don't think I've ever had anything like that. I've interviewed people and I worked in radio who have eaten down the line. So oh. you're asking them questions. Little mix do that. And they would <laughs> We'd be like, oh, my God, it's so rude. Do you know? but that that takes it to another level can you just wait there and yes. while I go and eat that, yeah that, well, uh, Alex was like well we don't really edit and she was like oh
1: I'll teach out if you want. I was like no that's not really the point just don't eat your lunch
0: <laughs> <laughs> no to be fair she'd actually and I, we are kind of being a bit flippant she'd actually been away to America and just landed so she was uh, starving starving tired. Oh. and you know to be fair she did a great <laughs> podcast as well isn't yeah she? it was good anyway back to you
1: kelly i was listening to your um podcast that you did with josh actually yesterday and it is really emotional so i kind of get what you were saying there
2: um are we all right to talk a little bit about your story yes yeah of course yeah yeah i feel like um (laughs) i do it more and more now so Yes, oh, we'll get you dead goodie see your head off by end. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> we'll left. I'll hold you to that. <laughs> <laughs> you will, I promise.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. So like but going right back, if you're like me, did you even know you were like um I I I don't even know if you use the label, but like a COA. Did you know that you were C O A or did you
2: know there was anything different or Oh I knew we were different but I, I thought we were the only ones. I don't think anyone else went through that or had that in their lives, you know, because I didn't know anybody. All my friends were were normal. They had normal lives and normal parents and, and normal goings on. So no, it's only in the last year that I've found out about the term COA through Nikoa and, and all of that. Um, obviously, you know, in my 20s and 30s, I realised that this goes on and, you know, it wasn't just me. But as a child, it was just isolating, really, because you felt like um, the odd one out. And as a teenager, it was particularly difficult. But, yeah. Were
0: you kind of a well-behaved teenager or did you rebel because of
2: it? Oh yeah, no, I was wild. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was really wild. I was nightclubbing when I was thirteen. Um, going out with guys they're a lot older than me. Uh, I ended up in a gang. Um, I was truant at school. Uh, yeah, I was just tearing up the floor, basically. Um, <sighs> It was. I was definitely not a model pupil. Um, I was trouble, whereas my brother was a star, like uh, per, the perfect textbook child. So we were yeah. very, very different in how we handled what was going on around us. Yeah. i sorry, Kelly. There's some feedback from someone. Can you hear me? Yeah, is I can it hear it. No. Is it me? It might be. Do you want me to? T- is it, can you hear my mic at all? Because I can't hear it i wonder if it's any is it still feeding back now yeah <sighs> like a squeak really high pitch oh right no. oh. is that better yeah, yeah. Oh, oh it's the it's the headphones i'll take them off. i've taken them out that better it sort of keeps coming when you speak. Yeah, it like it's really weird. Hang on, let me have a look at my desk. <laughs> yeah, but you know a bit dodgy, isn't
0: it? That's only the power. <laughs> <laughs> Which is quite important. Yeah, but it ain't going to feed back. I think it is Kelly's look because now she's gone, it's gone. <laughs> Shall I do a little no. pause? No, we'll have a little chat. Okay, then. Try
2: that any better.
0: No. No, I don't know what it is. Right, we're going to pause for a second, Kelly. Okay. Right, we're back. The squeaking's gone. <laughs> You'll just have to shout really loud now. There's no yeah. mic now. You can't hear Kelly anymore. <laughs> That's not a problem. I'm a mum. I'm used to shouting. It's fine. All good. <laughs> Can you take us through your kind of, what you're comfortable with with your story? Like, you know, what, what kind of becomes apparent? Was it your, Was it your mum? Was it your dad? Was it both?
2: So they, both my parents drank. I didn't live with them. I lived with my grandparents, Adam and I, my brother and I were brought up with them from a very young age. So I was two and a half and he was a baby um, when they took us in. They were in their fifties. And then my parents divorced when I was 13. Um, But they both drank. We would go and stay with them, on Saturday evenings and we would have holidays with them in the summer Um, and my memories of that is is always shrouded with alcohol and then falling asleep on the beach um, at night you know they'd be so heavily asleep you could never wake them up if you needed to but what I didn't know then was obviously my mum was in a very bad marriage with my dad so black eyes broken ribs fractures it was abusive and it was mentally abusive as well. But obviously, I was too young at the time. And then when I was about 12, I realised what was going on. They divorced when I was 13 and I moved in and to took after her. Um, he stopped drinking. Uh, you know, he never drank like she did. What happened with her was she became, it became, Everything. So the first thing she'd do in the morning, she'd do it throughout the day at work. It was everything, you know, whereas for him, I think he'd just drink heavy on the weekends. Yeah. And then when they divorced, obviously, I think it, it wasn't a thing for him anymore. Um, and it became more and a more of a thing for her. She ended up in hospital uh, not that long after their separation, where she was told that if she continued to drink, she would die. Um and I was just very cross with her. And my grandparents were amazing because they they weren't, they just loved her. They didn't understand it because they were both hardworking people who didn't drink. So they didn't know where this had come from. And they paid him off. They paid the mortgage off for her. They bought her a car. They did all these wonderful things so she never had to worry. But she still continued to drink, to... the the window that she came home from the hospital um she was sober for about a fortnight and it was like treading on eggshells oh yeah she didn't want to be sober she didn't want to get help she didn't want it you know um and so living with her as a teenager was you know a real experience really from that early stage of being 13 and drinking with her and smoking with her and being able to be wild thinking she was so cool yeah. to desperately needing a mother, some rules, you know, a parent, some boundaries that never appeared. Um, and our relationship became more fractured as I grew older.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, it was just far, far, it became far more difficult. And then when I was 19, obviously she died and, and, you know, it's taken a long time to get to a place. Now I'm 40 in October where I can say that I've forgiven her and that I love her and miss her very much. And I'm in a place where I'm okay with it. Yeah. But that's taken a lot to get there and to not be angry anymore, because I've been really angry. Um, and I'm balanced in my life because of it. It's had lots, it had lots of effects on us all, doesn't it, in different ways. Um, but I'm in a place where there is no anger anymore just sadness, which is harder, but it's better for me to deal with it in that way.
0: Oh, it's miles better for you. It's that whole range of emotions, isn't it? Like, you know, my dad got sober for 10 years before he actually died. And it's that whole range of emotions of being angry at what he'd done, at being angry that it, I almost felt, like he'd stolen my childhood, like it was, you know, you've stolen things from me. But I absolutely idolised him all at the same time. And then when I got angry, I felt guilty. When I felt guilty, I felt felt stupid. You know, like, yeah. and unlike you, I was, how you have just described your brother, really hard working at school, really wanted to do the best, wanted to please my dad. I don't relate to some of the things that um, kind of Josh and Kerry have said in the past of the whole, even though it's quite abusive at times, I don't relate to some of the kind of roles thing necessarily. You know, some of it I do. Some of it I really do. And I don't know whether it is just that I've now come to peace with it and come to terms with it. Uh, My mum's still very much on the scene. I have a great relationship with her. Um, She struggles if I talk about my dad. Because she doesn't, she kind of has pulled out the last ten years of his life and plastered over the rest the of 90, it. Yeah, like the nineteen years that I remember prior to that, for mm. my mum doesn't exist. It's all forgiven. It's all gone. So it's it's quite. A, it's not taboo, but it's tricky to talk about. And I think that's where my story is slightly different.
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: I, I can't vocalise it always in the same way that maybe I'd like to. Yeah, I'm
1: just thinking like when Kelly was saying, then as a teenager, very angry, you must have been to kind of hear, you know, the doctors say if you're going to carry on drinking you are going to die. And then for as a, as a daughter to kind of, you've just, you know, you you just want your mum to love you and do everything for you and you can't understand why. Why would they carry on drinking when they've been told they're not going to be here anymore? And that for you must have, making me dead goose pimply and emotional because no. it just must have been so difficult for you to hear her kind of be told that and then not, actively do anything about it
2: it was it was I just didn't understand it and I always felt like it was my fault you know by having us by having me because I was the first child it kind of ruined her life you know it made her stay in this marriage or I don't know what kept her in the marriage but you know I think she loved him I think she loved him up to the day she died and he is just, you know, he's still alive. So I have to be careful what I say. But, you know, he may be biologically my dad, but that's all. And, yeah, at that point, we'd been away with him. He'd taken us to Blackpool and it was awful. Like, being with him was just awful. So Adam and I had had this terrible few days in this B&B. You know, he was just, he was not fit to be a parent. And we couldn't get hold of anyone at home. In the phone box, Nan and Grandad weren't answering, so we knew something was wrong. So when he did drop us off, obviously they had they'd been at the hospital. Mobile phones weren't a thing then. God, I'm old. So it's <laughs> awful when we say that. Know, yeah. So there was nowhere telling us, and they didn't want to upset us anyway. So you know, and then it all came out. She was nowhere to be seen. She's in hospital. She's got liver cirrhosis. It's serious. And you know, I remember storming into to her bed on this ward and absolutely ripping into, her. you know, I mean, I was furious and my, my brother never behaved like that towards her. So their relationship was very different. So, um, whereas I was so angry and vocal, you know, how, how can it be like this? How can you do this to us? Why aren't we enough for you to be a better person? He was very different. I mean, the day that she, The day that we had to take her to hospital when I was 19, I knew that that was the end. And it was was awful. And she wouldn't get out of her bed to get dressed to go to the hospital. And he was the one that went in and convinced her. And she wouldn't get in my car unless he came Mm -hmm. because he was so gentle with her um now he's not gentle he's quite opinionated Adam but, <laughs> but with her he was a different you know whereas I was just so angry and even that day I remember the doctor examining her and her you know she didn't know where she was it, it, this alcohol had ravaged her it had ripped her apart and ravaged her brain it had just destroyed her and she was lying to the doctor saying, I don't drink. I don't drink, you know. And I was saying, are we really doing this right now? You know, and I was getting so cross. And there he is just being so calm with her. Mm. And we walked out. They said, you've got to go home. We've got to put her on a ward. We've got to get her seen by someone. You you need to leave. And we walked out to my car and my brother said, we'll never see her again, will we? Oh, Oh, God, it's awful. That's it, you know, and it was it was hard because there's nothing you can do. But at the time, because it was so I was so angry, you know, there was part of me that was relieved that it was over. And they called us the next night and they said it's really bad. I mean, I don't I don't want to be graphic on this, but when when people have liver cirrhosis and it gets really bad, there's a lot of blood and it's a very awful way to die you know and um they said it's it's really bad it's not pretty but literally you if you're going to come in and it was like in the middle of the night you know this will be the last time you see her and we just said we can't we can't do that we can't see it that way we we cannot do it you know and it's it, it i don't know how do you ever say that to anyone and explain it you can't i should live
0: yeah. it. and you know i get that and that it chokes me because my dad went the same way in the end, in the same way, and he the, the colouring was all wrong. And then even afterwards, when we went to visit the coffin, we could only have the coffin open for a day or so because things happen so quickly after afterwards. And, it, yeah, I completely relate. It's just, when you're talking about it... it it's, yeah I can I can replay it and I was in Cyprus at the time as well so very much like you that not being able to see them for the last time but knowing the last time you saw them was the last time I can really relate to you know what's really weird as well my um I was 19 when my
1: stepdad died of the same thing and I don't know what I've never really thought about it I've never looked back at that Time. Do you know what I mean? It's like I've put a blockage and you kind of opened a few gates there while you were telling me that. But um we we had a pub. And he died of the same thing. I was 19. And I've never kind of attached it to alcohol, even though I know it was alcohol. It just sounds so ridiculous. But I just honestly, I wish this were real life because I just want to give you the biggest, biggest hug right now. I really, really do. But, you know, like how... Because you are so together and amazing and successful and fabulous. Now, like, how have you got from kind of dealing with that to where you are now? And do you drink? So I was, which way do you want to walk? Oh, like,
0: no, no, there were so many. I had even more. You were lucky I stopped right away. <laughs> I'm like, shh. Stop oh, um, police interview? <laughs> oh, oh, dear um which which should we go first I think we should ask you whether you drink and what your relationship with alcohol is
2: like so I was sober for nearly a year um during the whole pandemic um I just I went through a really bizarre phase of not wanting to drink anymore at all and feeling really guilty if I did have a glass of wine waking up in the night and thinking about her and really worrying about it. And I don't know what it was. I don't know whether it was to do with the fact that she was 44 when she died. So I'm 40 in October. So whether it was I was coming up to that point in my head or whatever, um, I had a massive fear that I would be her. And my husband had a real issue with it because he was like, you're nothing like it. (laughs) Like, you know, this is... And I said, it's just... It's something going on with me at the minute. So therefore, I don't want it in my life right now. Yeah. Um, And, and, you know, I never thought about it at all. Um, And then... It was, it was coming up to a year and I was in London with friends and I, I was with Jenny actually and we were with some of her friends who couldn't believe that I didn't drink and they didn't believe me. So when they went to the bar, I ordered a sparkling water and what I got was a gin and thyme. So I'm sitting there with this straw and I'm like, this taste, this, taste this is this gin. And he's like, yeah, because there's no nobody who doesn't drink, and this is what you come up against, isn't it? Yeah. Who doesn't drink, yeah. you know? And I said, I don't. And we were actually going to a launch party, and the goblets of this gin that they were giving out, and these it was, and I didn't touch a drop because I said, no, like, I really don't, you know. Um, but it made me think a lot about how people react to it, and and, yeah. you. and then at Christmas. We would always have a little drink in the day in our house, but we didn't. We had non alcoholic wine. um, And then my husband and I had a little port together. So that was my sort of first official drink back, if you like. And then I decided not to label it anymore because I accepted I'm not like her, just if that makes sense. And I feel comfortable with that. I don't buy it in the house. I don't have alcohol in the house. Yeah. I wouldn't buy it on a, on a night and have it when I'm stressed or yeah. on a week, nothing like that. But, you know, if Chris and I went out for a meal, I might, I might not. That's how I see it. And I don't kind of put, because what I found was by telling people, it was the reactions that I was getting to it that I struggled with. So I thought, you know what, I don't need to say anything to anyone. Don't label it. I just don't have it in my life. Yeah, that makes sense. But our members
0: yeah, find the hardest it. the fact that either people's reactions all the time of "Wow, you don't drink. Why don't you drink?" And you've got to remember as well, like us, they don't have what could be considered any form of healthy relationship with that with alcohol because we yeah. didn't. Neither of us had a healthy relationship. Neither of us had, uh, truthfully associate with the word alcoholic, but no. both of us used alcohol. Coping mechanism, yeah, but Didn't so I many people know, do know alcohol, alcohol is a coping
1: mechanism. That's true, that's the thing. I would have always classed myself as a normal, binge, yeah, normal, a binge drinker, a bit of a party animal. The last a one, of, yeah, well, yeah, that's what I'd have said. Then, did bit have a party animal? She was the shock queen. <laughs> I, <I'm a animal. laughs> but that to me was my normal, so I never ever realized that I was drinking to numb out things until I actually stopped drinking and then over like the first year I was like oh my god this is when I would have picked up a drink and then I started to realize over the years how much I drank for I I have so quite bad social anxiety and I still get it now you know if we go out and I have non-alcoholic drinks I will drink them as quick as I used to drink alcohol because I get all anxious yeah um, and then obviously stress or, yeah, it wasn't until I stopped I realised yeah. that was a problem. I, I think, think you're I, right. I, I think, think she's that. right because mine was, mine was like that. Oh, don't copy Don't copy <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: I was like a proper binger. Though. No, you like, owned up to alcoholic the other week. Well, so no, you can No, keep that. no. I, I'm going to be, I'm actually going to re-clarify that because this is what I think about the word alcoholic. I keep saying it. I don't believe, you know, like when I think about the definition, the actual definition and stereotype of an alcoholic, if you're going to say, was I an alcoholic and think of the stereotype? no. Definitely not. I wouldn't wake up in the morning and have a drink. I wouldn't sit on a park bench with a brown paper bag and some vodka in it and have a drink. No. But if you look at what alcoholic really means, all it means is depends on alcohol. And I did depend on it. So that's all I was saying. That Actually, I depended on alcohol when I finished work on a Friday to unwind. I depended on it to have a good time. I depended on it to cry because I couldn't cry without a drink inside me. I didn't have any emotion about anything. But then when I did, you couldn't turn the tears off. You couldn't turn the anger off. So there was no, I used it to express normal emotions so if I was feeling sad I mean I think I told you this Kelly I th- what triggered my non-drinking was I actually had a miscarriage in 2018 um I was 39 I lost this baby which it it floored me it I, there was no way I should have lost the baby I couldn't understand it I was 12 weeks everything was going well I was healthy I wasn't drinking lost the baby and it sent me under and I used alcohol every single day at that point for six months to just hold myself together I went to work when I could I drank on the evenings to pull myself through then I'd cry about it then I'd get angry then I'd bring up all the childhood stuff that I'd not talked about for years and it sent me into a very bad place of depression so that's that's what happened with mine. Now I feel bad. Yeah.
2: She, really <laughs> well, she knows yeah. this, by the way, because she was the one who picked me up after it all. So I have to say to both of you, how amazing you both are, though, to just sit here and just to even discuss those stories and to even say that about yourself. And I know we're having a laugh and a joke. Yeah. It takes a lot to even delve there. And there are so many people that... We'll, we'll hear you talk and go, I do that, I, d- I do that, yeah, but yeah. I've not got a problem. It, oh, yeah. Because how many people really, and this is something I really think about a lot, how many people really drink just because, oh, doesn't the red wine go nice with the steak? I mean, it, it never is. It's always for a reason. It's to relax. It's to feel less nervous. It's because you're in a room with someone you don't like. There's always... something. And therefore, you have to ask yourself, is that healthy? You know, would we say to someone, um, who perhaps hated meetings and every time they went into one, had to sit and eat two great big cream donuts before they spoke to anyone. What could we say? We'd be like, that is not good for your cholesterol level. Like, please don't do it. You know, we just, the thing is, there's just, it's it's a billion dollar industry out there. Um, you've got these big TV shows that are endorsed by it. We see it, me, Chris and I talk about this all the time where we watch shows and um, it's alcohol, alcohol, alcohol in them all the time. You know, you've got the Queen Vic East EastEnders, the Rovers returning Coronation Street. The we're never, that's never going to change. They're never going to stop. They make too much money from it. But it is the most dangerous drug and it's legal. Yeah. Yeah. People need to wake up to that and really get a grip with it because there's a real issue there. And I think by what you ladies do, you're really fighting that fight and that corner and giving other people a safe space to be sober and to know it's okay. because, you know, we need it. And that's what we
0: want to get across. You know what? You don't have to be the label you don't have to be the label I know people who are the label I have known people who are the label but actually, you don't have to be the label if if at any point in your relationship with alcohol you realize or even if you don't realize if you think about it and you go oh maybe I am using it to get through my day to get through my week then it is a dependence whether whether or not you like that whether or not you want to see the facts that is the truth of it because they don't want to see the fact we actually both were really quite heavily criticized and we don't care (laughs) um by a workplace we do workplace presentations and they wanted us to paint it in a pretty light of some people can drink normally And we can. And we said, no, we we won't do that. Yeah, They wanted like a horror
1: story from us. Like we were raging alcoholics and now look at us. And we was like, well, actually, alcohol is addictive. And they were fuming, not just a bit. They were fuming that we had said alcohol was addictive. addictive. And we
2: were like, it's like sugar, you know. It is like sugar. And we hear more and more about this as well all the time. You know, it's people who want to bury their head in the sands, I think. I mean, that is ridiculous. You know, I I know Nikoa um, have struggled with getting stories on national TV because they want the kitchen sink. They want the council house to stay with uh, the mum that looks like she's not got two pennies to rub together. You know, they want the bottom pit kind of image. It doesn't exist. I had a friend um, who uh, his dad is a millionaire and his, they were loaded. His wife, raging wino, she had a massive problem and he dealt with it his whole childhood. She was beautiful, very posh, designer clothes head to toe, could not leave a bottle of wine alone. Does she tick that box? No. You know, it's, it's ridiculous. And to say it's not addictive. I mean, I even worry that when you've had a fam for me, you know, it's, it's a gray area. Some people don't, but I think addiction can be genetic. And I think you have to be aware of that. When you've had a parent who has had an addiction, you have to sort of look at you and, and realize it could be there. And how do you make sure you don't follow that pattern? It low. I mean, but just I can't believe that they wanted that. Instead of sort of praising you and
1: We'd actually said what you said before about the government making so much money about
2: on it. Mm. And that's the
1: bit we didn't like as well, yeah. isn't it? Because I- we'd kind of put the figures out there that the government make this much money and it doesn't matter they spend so much on the services they've actually just cut alcohol services which is why nicole can't get funding yeah yes yeah it's just, it's so sad so they're making billions and billions of pounds but yeah they didn't like us saying that, we? No. They
0: said that we were ange- evangelical evangelical <laughs> yeah That's what well
2: if this <laughs> is evangelical we're proud
0: okay.
2: and evangelical. Yeah. <laughs> you are <laughs> helping people be healthier with their life and live longer and be better human beings, you know. And and that is so, it's so important. It, it just, I beg beggars belief, doesn't it? I tell you what, we've got COVID. Let's just shut gyms. But, you know, first time round, help out to eat out. Go knock yourself out and have wine at lunchtime, half price. And um, we'll keep all the fast food restaurants open. I mean, we've got it all wrong. This, whole, all down, don't yeah, this idea of we'll make you ill so we can make a profit out of it. I really do believe in, um, you, you know, and I think we have to be very aware of that. And it's true. It's like the tobacco industry. They just make too much money. So what happens if a couple of hundred people die a day from it? Who cares? Yes, just... <laughs> Mind-blowing, you know. A whole but new conversation that could be had there.
0: I could feel a bubble in here, <laughs> oh, right? No, it's I because know. I, know, I've, I know I saw a couple of um,
1: your co horse videos and I'm like, yes, go on, Jenny. Oh, God,
0: what you been put on there? <laughs> we'll leave that for We'll another leave that time. if anyone wants to look. Please go across and look. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no, you know, it's it's so true. I mean, you're numb down. You're not aware of what's going on. Because everybody else is doing it, you feel And that's what kept me stuck, by the way, because I looked at my dad and my dad's relationship with alcohol and thought, well, I'm nowhere near that bad. We always know somebody that's a heavier drinker or a more addicted drinker. So it keeps you stuck in the realm of normal that doesn't actually really exist. It's just a scale, a sliding scale. You're either addicted or you're getting addicted. (laughs) And it's... You know, it is. That's the facts. We're not kind of making this up. It's an addictive carcinogenic drug. It's been proven to only be safe to
2: drink half a glass a year if it was tested in the same way as other drugs. Well, look at the back of the bottle to anyone who thinks it's got goodness in. Look at the back and you tell me what those things are, those chemicals yeah. are on the ingredients list. You're, it's poison. It is. I've been to the gym this morning and I've been with my friend and bless her. She she went to a baby shower two days ago, had way too much Prosecco because it was like first time out, seeing all her friends since lockdown oh and she's so ill and today, two days on and she said I, I just can't, I, what have I done to myself Kelly? She said I feel like I've poisoned myself and I said you you kind of have <laughs> you know I'm not going to preach but you kind of have and this is you know and it, and it's it's not funny, we come from this thing of you know or oh, we have this big joke you know how drunk can you get and oh look at me with my hangover it, it's not funny what you're doing to your body and we're very lucky we have livers they're amazing things to read Generate everything because you are poisoning yourself when you drink.
0: That's why we have a hangover, isn't it? Because that's detoxing and you're feeling well. And it's the only kind of drug that will go, I know, I'm not working on Sunday. (sighs) And have a full day in bed just to get over it, so I'm mm-hmm. gonna plan a big one here. You wouldn't sort of say, Would you? Right? I'm gonna have Covid on Wednesday, um, you know what I mean? Oh, so, I'm sure but you know, I'm, going, I'm going gonna get you somewhere. <laughs> I won't, I'm not gonna do this on Wednesday. Let's leave COVID out of it. I'm not gonna get chicken pox on Wednesday. Yeah, I'll go with chicken pox. Um, but it's true, you know, like it's the only thing we plan to be ill for and then accept it. We accept that, you know, I won't drive, I can't drive, I've got my license, but I'm prepared to restrict myself and stay in. So I used to I proper plan. I used to get like the
1: diver lights and everything I did. kind of you honestly, we went um for like a a why we don't know each other we've done it together (laughs) 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 on a black pool trip and when and like proper plan got diarrhealised I remember like introducing
0: you to them and then you found a better one Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) but we've done it you know like you go away and yeah I brought what are called ORS drops the rehydration for athletes that's what they're meant for and diarrhoea but we used to both particularly me I think when I first had my little one who's five now my youngest, I used to go to my in-law's house, bring upstairs. I'm smiling, but it's more uncomfortable than <laughs> I'm actually my face says, But bring upstairs a banana and like a, a, a cereal bar, two Beecham's for me and my husband, a bottle of water to make them with and our rehydration salts. So I was planning that I was going to be in bed. He was going to eat at the side of me. I wasn't getting up out of that bed until at least 2 p.m. And I just now I'm thinking... Wow. Like, I can't imagine being that person anymore. And I'm not kind of saying you're a bad
2: person if you have the odd hangover here and there, but what a waste. Yeah, a waste of a day, a waste of, of your life. You know, it's not a fun feeling like that, is it? And then sort of thinking, what did I say? Who did I like Haley's friend bless her? She's got a big bruise on her head today. Oh, well, she said, well, I was dancing, you know, and apparently I fell over. Yeah, and this is what people attack. And, and I mean, you, she's sort of laughing, but inside I can see her thinking, I I don't want to do that again. I don't, I don't want to be in that position again. Because I think you just get to a certain age in your life as well. And when you're a parent, also, where if you just you do start to assess everything that you do. And that feeling is, is just so horrible, you know, of being hungover and just oh, wasting a, a week, I think it gets, when you, as you get older for people, you know?
0: Well, it's really bad, apparently, when you're not there yet, thankfully, but when you get to the menopause, apparently it's very, very bad then because of the hormones and the effects on the hormones and the fact that your estrogen's depleting. It can become even worse, the hangovers. So kind of glad that I did that before I get to menopause. Oh, gosh,
2: yeah. Yeah,
0: get it out the way. <laughs> yeah, it's gone, done. <laughs> but can, can we just go back now? Just and Lisa did kind of ask about how you got through what you got through to just get where you are now. Like you know, what what did you do to
2: so self- safeguard yourself and to just get on? You've done amazing. Oh, that's so kind of you both. I think cause sometimes you just. You don't really think about it, do you so much, you know, how you got there and what what you've done. Um, I just had a determination really to, I I wanted to work in radio and it was what pulled me through. You know, I was 16 and I'd done pretty well at my GCSEs and I couldn't believe it considering I'd not been there half the time. (laughs) And, you know, we'd have one of those awful career guys. Josh and I have talked about this because he had the same conversation who just sat there and said... uh, you need to go in the army. You need to learn discipline and uh, you'd be great. And I just thought, wanker. And <laughs> I remember thinking, you know, whatever. Um, but I, when I got my results, I realised that I'd done pretty well and I probably didn't deserve to. And I got into a good college and... I decided that that was it for me. I knew what I wanted to do. And so I was going to do it, you know? And it wasn't easy, obviously. It wasn't a straight path for me. I went to university after my A-levels, but my mum's drinking was so bad. And my brother was struggling so much that I quit and came home to be there for him because he was far cleverer than I was. And I wanted him to do well. So, and it, you know, I was needed to be there really. So it, it, that went wrong. And then she died, obviously, and that was really difficult. And in between this time, I was working jobs and I was working at radio stations, answering phones for free and doing all sorts of things. I knew what I wanted to do. And I got back to uni when I was older after she died. Um, And then I got my first job in radio. And I suppose that kind of drive and ambition uh, rooted from everything, really. It was a, I'll show you, I'm not a write-off, like people spoke about me, you know, the girl that we don't want our kids hanging around with that, you know, kind of thing. And I think that that was a huge part of what held me together was that I got my career and, you know, it was everything to me for, for a long time. And I think that was really important and I was lucky I had my nan and you know who's amazing um but it, it wasn't straightforward I was really it's only <laughs> in my 30s that I've come to find a balance and an acceptance and and really actually since I left radio I've probably been the happiest now that I've ever been yeah you no know, I'm happy with my lot and I like my life very much. I I don't know that radio was the best choice for me because of what I've been through. And it's very cutthroat. So the higher you go, the harder it gets. And it's very much about rejection. um, And there's a lot of stuff that goes on that isn't very nice. So it, but for me, that was the the core of getting me the drive to get me out, to get me to make something of myself, to be, you know, where I want to be. And then my husband is, you know, a big credit to all of that. Massively so, because it's very difficult to find somebody, you know, he he didn't have any of what we've had (laughs) in our lives. (laughs) So, you know, it's a bit of a head wobble, Um, but he is incredible with it all. And I I credit him with everything and my kids as well to, you you know, to this point where I'm I'm very lucky and I have a lovely life and it's down to them. And I think, you know, in lots of ways, it could have gone very different because I wasn't sure I'd ever get married and have children. I didn't know, you know, I didn't know that I was capable of it, to be honest. Because, yeah, feel unloved by your own mother. You really ask yourself if you could ever love your, you know, if you, what happens if I do the same and I, I don't want them? You know, it's, it was a big thing for me. But he was the one that, you know, he weren't taking any of it. He knew I could do it and and everything. So, um, yes. And a lot of, de- you've got to have a lot of determination, haven't you, to get through it, really. And to not, I've never been bitter. I'm not a bitter person. I don't believe in that. Yeah, you can see that. You know what I think is yeah. more lovely, Kelly, is
1: just... What an inspiration you have. I think that you can tell your story now. I know you said you've not been telling it for very long. And we always say this to kind of be proud of your story because what you have to say will help so many other people. And that's whether it's, parents children of alcoholics but you know they might be just that one person listening like I can turn my life around or everything will be okay because for some people they can't
2: even imagine that future can they and I think and I was one of them I can totally relate to that honestly I thought I didn't know where I, I think I, I- ended would end up when I was a teenager and I was going through the time that I was in, hanging around with the unsavory people that I used to socialise with and the trouble I got into. I honestly I was written off, you know. Um and not necessarily even if it affects you in that way. It's just it's a you know, you just don't know what will become of you because your parents are supposed to be everything. They cement the security, the safety, they help you grow, you know, and when you don't have any of that, it's it's very difficult, isn't it? But the thing is, it doesn't define you. And you have to, you know, you have to know that. That's very important when I talk about it is that I want people to know that they can still be anything they want to be at the end of the day. And, you know, it might be harder And it might be painful, more painful than someone who's had a normal upbringing. Um, However, you know, you can still do it.
0: You know, you remind me of, but not remind me of But the conversation (laughs) we had with I see again. This is a moment that might need editing, (laughs) but our conversation with Michael Macy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like have, you, have you read Michael Macy's book, Young oh, Offender? No, no. Oh, no. Kelly, read them. it. Oh my. Listen to it. Don't read it. Listen to it. It's him telling the story, Michael Macy. It's Young Offender. And how that man does, is he, incredible. And you just remind me of a female version in many ways. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Of like, you know, how inspiring you are, what you're doing, yeah, R- read the book, read the book, oh, and yes, and email us about it. Or, message oh, we'll do, yeah. It.
2: I like I like the audio books, I can just oh,
1: you'll, my, you'll love it. You, I listen. could not stop listening, but you, it's love it, but you will love it. It might trigger some emotions. Oh, yeah, so, we best say that it's not like you'll love it, like oh, that was a nice it, book. It's not it, a fairy tale, <laughs> <It's not>. <laughs> No. <laughs> yeah. no. But
0: he's um, and we did a podcast with him as well, if you ever want to listen to it, but he. Yeah, it very much yeah, reminds me you see why, you know, the whole gang thing and the way that you say you were written off and then you've come through it. And I think it's so easy to write young people off. I also think it's easy to miss the people like your brother and like I was. You know, no one knew I needed help. No one knew probably your brother needed help because he held it together and just got on with it. Whereas if you look at what people say is the typical child, the rebel. They're where the support's going. They're where everybody's looking and saying, what's making this child behave that way? Can't
2: always stop them. No. But the other ones... What I I will say about being the wild one, I think, is that you get a lot of it out. Yeah. I'm a communicator. That's what I do. So it's you talk, talk, talk. And I still talk. You know, if I want to talk about my mum, I'll ring my nan and we'll sit and we'll chat that day. You know, I do. I'm very, very open with her and, and Chris, you know, um, if I feel sad, then I'll talk about that to do with her. It's, and I'll talk to my children about her. You know, they're obviously too young to know what happened. But, but my brother is very internal. So I don't know with you and your siblings, both of you, but he... Um, I can send him a message about something to do with her and he won't reply. He doesn't talk about it. It's not something. And and I think because of that, actually, it affects how he behaves sometimes. He'd disagree with me, but (laughs) I don't think it's healthy for him. But that's the way he's coped with it. Head down. You know, it is what it is. Um, He can't deal with it. He just can't seem to face that. You know, he knows I do all of this and... And he thinks that's great, but he won't talk about it. It's funny, yeah, (laughs) because
0: my sister are kind of a blend then because I'm very vocal about it, very open, we'll talk about it. And yet I was the head down, get on with it. My sister was the rebel, but she doesn't talk about it. She doesn't actually... I I think sometimes we grew up in different households.
2: (laughs) They say that, though, don't Yeah. You You can't expect both of you, though, to take it the same way, can you? Because siblings, you are so different um anyway that you're never going to and your relationship with the addict is always different you know everyone has a different relationship and therefore has a different way of dealing with it afterwards as well because you're affected for life definitely by by what you know by growing up around it and by having it in your life and I think that's a great thing about NACOA is that they're putting the the young people first because often everyone concentrates on the addict addict. they've got to get help what are we going to do about them And they just forget everyone around them is so badly affected by it in a a, you know such a it's so traumatic
0: it's traumatic without knowing you would being traumatised, I think that's the thing. So I still don't accept that I lived through trauma. still don't accept that it was traumatising because I don't know any difference. So I can't really sit and think what it would have been like any other way. That was just my normal for me. So when when I tell it, and I think that's why some people have said to me in the past that I'm quite cold. I don't believe I'm cold. You know I'm not cold. No, no I say do. It. I'm cold, you know, like because I just, blah, 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 but a fa- I'm, I'm matter of fact about it. And I think that's very similar to what you discussed about a coping mechanism, about the way that... I don't yeah. want to it back in, so I just talk about it as if it didn't happen or as if it happened to someone else. It's weird, yeah. isn't it? But yeah, you know what? It's been... So lovely talking to you, Kelly. I, I kind of was I, I had high hopes for this conversation and did <laughs> them. It really has like it was so lovely hearing more about your story and getting to know you a little bit more since it is, and thank you so much for trusting us with it.
2: Oh that yeah, of course. Well, thank you so much for asking me to be on and, and be a guest on the podcast as well. It's a huge honour, you know, and I genuinely mean that. Um and it's been a really nice conversation. We've laughed through it as well, which is actually really nice. You know, um, we did a podcast with Kerry Katona and her story is very harrowing and I found it very upsetting and throughout, you know, I could feel myself going constantly. She just kept laughing and she said, look, I laugh through my story. This is what I do. This is how I handle it. And and I think actually if you can bring laughter in with it when it's quite serious and heavy, it, it lightens the load a little bit, doesn't it? I listened to that podcast last night Kelly, that you oh, did with Kerry.
1: And I thought, and, and I could feel that you had gotten emotional about it because you'd said that to her. And I said to you today, like, wow,
2: what that yeah. woman has been. It bothered been- me all night. Like, I kept talking. Yeah. About- all the time that I was outraged that she'd gone through that and, and, and that she could oh God, she's still friends with her mum so you, you know but I when we talk about forgiveness you know yeah. there you are but she really is a she's a very special person yeah who's um, pimples now when yeah, you're we're, saying that we're gonna, try, we're gonna try and get her on ours but oh, we'll well, if, if you need any help just speak to me mm. and I'll get Jen on it because Jen oh. That Jennifer, me. that's how we got her. So, you know,
0: just give me a nod
2: and I'll put oh, Jenny It's here's
0: on. a nod. I <laughs> love <laughs> <laughs> Jenny to... Oh, oh thank you. Yeah. And honestly, yeah. thank you so much for coming on. When we put... Not that you're going to probably need it from ours. I'm sure everybody's heard of your
2: podcast, <laughs> but we will link to you so that people... Oh, yeah, that's and, uh, yeah, And I'd like to post on our podcast page for you, as well as my personal, just, you know, it's nice to show the people who listen other podcasts that we support as oh, well. So um, I'll put it on both pages. Oh, thanks, Kelly. That means a lot. Fine. fine. I hope this has been okay. I always come off these things and think, oh God, because no, I'm so used bad to bad being to be the insane. interviewer, not the interviewee, so promise you this is exactly what our members
0: will love that our listeners will love it we get a lot of good feedback in the way you've just said it how we can turn very serious topics into not fun because they're not fun but we can find the fun in it yeah where even if it's just
2: inter interwoven interweaved don't know yeah. the name don't know the word the light and shade and yeah. I think it's important. It really is. So people can laugh with you and cry with you. They feel the whole range of emotions, you know, which is good. You girls have got it nailed. It's I'm the loving it. We figured out
0: um, the other day that we've been friends for 30 years in September. So there's nothing. I didn't even know I was 30. <laughs> <laughs> she is. <laughs> She's actually younger than me, though, a bit. <laughs> a bit. 16 months, I'll give her. <laughs> but yeah, we met in <laughs> Um, so we really have seen the good, the bad and the ugly in each other, haven't we? Yeah. You know, when you said that before, Kelly, about coming up to 40, we was
1: driving somewhere the other day and I was like, <laughs> can you believe we're like 40-year-old women? Like yeah. we're actual women doing women stuff this is what she 40s. was saying. I
0: can't believe it. We, we were in separate cars, by the way. This is <laughs> what, what happens <laughs> with all us. Oh, we were? Yeah, <laughs> we're on a phone. Separate car. This is what we do all the time. We never know when we've been together and when we haven't. Separate <laughs> phones separate cars having a full conversation I'll drive to her house which is about an hour away on the phone to her all the way and get out of the car and she'll be stood at the door and we're still on the phone I'm it's like oh so me now bad we've become core dependent I think
1: that sounds like
2: me and my husband he'll be driving home he's like I'm just coming in the drive I'm like off the fucking phone <laughs> <laughs> you have nothing to tell me when you get in what Our, my
0: husband's jealous of us yeah really.
1: Honestly, the other day oh. she rang me and I got in, I was like, I'm going there because I'm getting in the shower. <laughs> anyway, I ended up putting propping the phone up, having a full shower. And my daughter was like, have you just been in the shower with Alex? <laughs> I was like... Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Where everything might you know go for a wee while we're on the phone together every, we must speak i bet i bet if we looked at our call log i bet we speak for about
2: four hours yes, out of, well every day bad. it's so bad <laughs> it really is it's lovely though and isn't it amazing to see that kind of female friendship you know because it's all about supporting each other and raising each other up and there's just not enough of that either you know right. two women pitched against each other so i love to see this, you know, I think it's really special. It's got oh. very
0: soppy. We actually say on, you know, like if we're on a Zoom together, we say, "Oh, I'm going to miss you now. I love you." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it, Well, so much, Kelly. It's, it's a
2: pleasure. Thanks, ladies.
0: And
2: I love your t-shirt, by the way. Do you know this is? um Oh, Sea Soul and Snow Sinead on Instagram. You know, she does all the hot miss mom t-shirts. If you find her on Instagram. She sent me this as a gift. It was um, for Women's Day, but she does all that kind of thing. I love her stuff. It's so lovely. I'll definitely she's, have a look She's adding her I mean, a I look. Know, She's got the phone in her hand. Get <laughs> She's great. Well, do you know, she was in Waitrose the other day and she bumped into Rebel Wilson, you know, the actress? Oh, yeah. And she recognised her from her hoodies. And, she, oh, and so yeah. she put together a goodie bag and whisked it over to her hotel. Oh, so she's international nice. with Sinead, but she's lovely. I mean loads of celebrities wear her stuff, but yeah. she's just, you know, I love her slogans and her she's she's great. She's yeah, you can her. there'll be another you can one getting a Kelly Pegg name drop, I reckon.
0: <laughs> 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 oh, thank you, Kelly. Thanks, Kelly.
2: Take, care. Take care, ladies. Thank, thank, you, thank you so much. Kelly. See you later. Bye bye. bye.